Where Dreams Come From is a podcast featuring successful people from around the world who have pursued their dreams to arrive at a station in life. I'm your host, Sanjeev Chatterjee. I'm a professor of cinema and journalism, and in my creative life, I make documentary films. I started this podcast to explore what it takes for people to follow their dreams, even while being true to who they are, at least who they believe they are. My guest Bijani Satpati came of age as a classical Odissi dancer at Nithigram, a dance village in South India founded in 1990 by the socialite and dancers Pratima Gauri Bedi. When Bijani decided to leave Nithigram and strike out on her own in 2018, she told Marina Harris of the New York Times that she had, I quote, a strong urge to push into an untouched and unexplored dimension before it was too late and even though she felt a shocking sense of loss of her hold on dance at the self-imposed severance she has rebuilt herself it has been as if she was compelled to undertake a painful path to fully realize her dream bijani satpati spoke to me from her home outside bangalore and not very far from the Nithigram campus. Bijayani Satpati, thank you so much for joining Where Dreams Come From. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Tell me, where were you born and what uh, were the circumstances of your childhood? Well, I was born in Orissa in Bhubaneswar. Um I was the second child, second girl child in my household when I grew up later. I was told by my mother that um my father was very upset when i was born as a second girl in the family but um we were four children i remember being very loved by my father and uh, he always wanted to make sure that he uh, put us in good school gave us a very good education we went to uh, an alternative school of uh, the mother and shri aurobindo and uh, i had a i had a good childhood i was a serious child i was a good child i think there was a hidden message that i received very early on that i had to prove myself to be very good and be worth it as the second girl i i, I don't know how that happened the message came to me but i was a very good child i didn't want to get into any trouble i didn't want to trouble anyone ever yeah so so everything i did i did very well that's how it began did you do well because of the hard work or because of your natural talents i didn't have to study too much i remember that i my father my parents used to always feel like i was going to fail in the exams because i my study time didn't change because there were exams I studied between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. I was a very good student in school, always a rank holder and um, A plus in everything. I committed to all the learning in the classroom. I was very attentive. So just just being good in every way was 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 something that I did very naturally, and that's why I didn't have to really work very hard in terms of longer hours of work. but i i i gave a lot of focused attention to the teachers and also in the dance class what i hear you saying is 
that very early in life you were able to be present and not distracted. Yes, always. I I, I always uh, retained the information that that I received in in any classroom situation as a child. I remember, so I I didn't have to study too much extra. So I could spend time reading other things. My father would bring books from the library of his bank. He was a banker, State Bank of India. And I I read a lot of books. Tell me about your imagination. What's your early memory of your imagination? When I was very young, I think I may have been like seven, eight, and and going forward. I, I used to go up to the terrace and lie uh, under the sky, on the starry sky at, the ni- at night, waiting for dinner because I would finish studying and then I had time in hand. And I always felt how inconsequential things were and how insignificant we all were. And I would imagine if the walls of the houses were removed, we were lying on this vast expanse under this huge... Uh, expanse of the sky and I had this yearning to expand as much I don't know what that meant but I, I had this recurring feeling always from childhood the other thing I felt was in school uh, I already said I was in an alternative school we had uh, space for you know uh, extracurricular activities music and dance and there was a small prayer room and I remember we could just go there anytime we wanted and I once remember lying just just rolling on the floor and suddenly catching myself in a posture in a lying down posture with my hand rested on my palm and elbow rested on the ground and suddenly finding that expansiveness within me. I think it was W.B. Yeats uh, who wrote, uh, How Can You Tell the Dance from the Dancer? And uh, I take it to mean that dance as a tool to achieve oneness. That is very true. I mean, I think it may be different for different dancers. I don't know if that's the experience of all the dancers, but I, I feel like I... I realize myself in completion when I dance and I feel like it's not just in the realm of physicality, it's not just in the realm of music and rhythm, which is mathematics, which is melody, which is a lot of calculations, which is a lot of precision and negotiation of time. It's not just the, just the emotional aspect of it. It all comes together and goes beyond it all. But everything must be there in a certain level of finesse to come together in in a very harmonious way so that the expansiveness, I call it expansiveness at the same time, it is also stillness and it's also oneness, as you said, that everything comes together into a, perfect alignment within which perhaps meditators look at when they meditate to find that oneness with the universe i feel like that happens to me my experience when i dance tell me a little bit about the switch from wanting to be a teacher traditionally a teacher to 
then finding an avenue for dance? I feel like since we're talking about dreams, I feel like my dreams have come to me in um, many ways. And the dream of dancing always actually happened when it, it, it was, there was a preface of an opportunity. So uh, Gaurima Pratima Vedi, who had founded Nithigram, uh, and Nithigram was there already for two years, two and a half years, she had set up uh, their first U.S. tour in 1993 and early 1993 she visited my dance school in Bhuvaneshwar and I was asked by my teacher to dance for her. She she was present with Sanjukta Panigrahi, um, the drawing of, of the legendary performer who performed worldwide and made Odyssey uh, extremely popular. They were there. I didn't have any idea who Pratima Bedi was, but she was there. I thought she was a guest and we, we often danced for guests. So I danced as part of a group of female dancers and also male dancers danced after that. And uh, soon after that, I was asked if I had a passport and I didn't. I didn't have a passport. But the decisions, interestingly, were taken on behalf of me. I came from that kind of a background where my father was called to the office and he was told I should be brought to Sanjukta Panigrahi's house for the next three days to make my passport. And um, I, during that visit to Sanjukta Panigrahi's house, I met Pratima Bedi, who, who didn't speak much to me except for uh, information that was needed for the passport but once she asked me she said uh, do you have any reviews I said what are they and she said how many performances have you danced in your life you've been dancing for 13 years I said yeah maybe around 500 or so and she said you must have a review a newspaper review an article that talks about your dance I said no I don't think there is one then she held me, uh, she held both my arms, looked into my eyes as if she was piercing straight through my heart. And she said, you know, you deserve better than that. Tell us a little bit more about Nithigram and the thought behind it for our audience. Nithigram was a vision of uh, Pratima Gauri Bedi, who was a flower child of the 60s. And she actually walked into an auditorium uh, not meaning to go there to see this performance, but she walked into a wrong auditorium and, and happened to see Guru Kilucharan Mahapatra, who is the legendary guru, the architect of the modern day, one of the architects of the modern day Odyssey dance. And she changed her life since then. She wanted to learn this dance form. She decided this she was destined to do this and this is what she was meant to do. And uh, she then believed the transformation in the transformative powers of dance from having learnt it at a very late stage in her life when she was 28 with two children, married to Kabir Bedi and uh, very, very, a very uh, known socialite of Mumbai, how her, ch how, how her life changed, how her inner life changed. She wanted to make that experience available to anyone and everyone with or without resources. And she believed that this dance um, 
the dances should be learned in the traditional system of guru shishya parampara where uh, the teachers uh, and students live together in a very beautiful and aesthetic and conducive ambiance uh, where very close to nature working in a in a self sustaining environment and uh, students who gorima pratima bedi uh, used to say that people the students who have a fire within their eyes are welcome to come and for the longest time it the education was free there students could live there for anything between 3 to 6 years and continue on become ensemble members and uh, not pay a thing you realize uh, that the dance is the tool that you are using to achieve this oneness is that something that happens immediately or takes time well to me it happened uh, in a moment when i was not dancing i was actually rolling around in the floor as a child and i was in a posture and it it just went beyond my body the experience of who i was became i i remember it extremely vividly and then whenever since i had that experience whenever i danced with the precision of postures and and very very uh, strict idea of where the position of each limb be it's it's a very methodical discipline that needs to be followed in the classical dance it's very structured and there are parameters there's grammar and it has to be followed so for me within every frame you know if you, if you take a moving sequence of of a minute there are many many frozen frames in that and every frame for me was so full of meaning beyond the shape and the geometry of the form so for me the experience came very early on an experience of complete bliss forgetting everything that that felt to me very small this just was so much larger do you think that it's an addiction of some kind for me it is not an addiction it is why not <laughs> you know like if if this is my most uh i i can keep pushing the inner boundaries of my experience and uh have this pure purity of uh everything you know it's it's all distilled into very uh, a pure portion that i'm i'm really savoring that then when i'm dancing i feel like why must i not spend as many hours moments of my life doing that and sharing with others teaching and making it accessible for others and the only thing is that i i really cannot teach people to feel that i can only share with students to build muscle memory of and and how to think of the patterns within and then how to emote more realistically more honestly more truthfully how to be vulnerable and yet be safe on stage how to trust that you are not judged in that space on stage because it's an act yet it is an act that makes imagination real 
at the same time, so I'm having a real experience there, even if it's an act, and I can get into a, a state of rage and curse and be this villain of worst kind. And it's, it's real for me then, but I'm not held accountable for it. I'm not a criminal for doing that. And, and, and I just, just finding ways to, to find optimum way of expressing myself. What are the things that you have had to give up in the search for oneness through dance? I have rarely felt like I have had to give up anything. But if you're looking at an actual life of a dancer, one has to be extremely disciplined and self-motivated. You can't just go for every family reunion that happens, every friends, uh, whatever, parties that happen or every occasion that people usually go to. It's, it's part of everybody's life, but we have to be extremely disciplined, highly disciplined. We can't eat everything. We have to make sure that we exercise every day, whether there is a performance or not. And not a single day of a dancer's life is painless. There is physical pain. Besides physical pain, we are always raising our own bars. How is your post-Nithigram life and uh, dreams different from what it was in Nithigram? Of course, I am at a later stage in my life and I have been at Nithigram. I was the director for training. I taught every single day, quite a few sessions, very intensive training to the students. And from that, I feel how I have, I have seen, I have firsthand experience of how dance transforms people, transforms students. And I feel... More than performing myself, I feel like I need, I, my dream is to share in many different ways dancing to as many, uh, not just dancers who are seeking to be uh, professional dancers, but uh, generally with, uh, with uh, people because the joy it brings is the joy and the bliss and the pure experience it brings is so special and unique and must be had. You've been celebrated in world-leading newspapers and magazines and dance publications. What has that done for you? Some of it has felt uh, good. It has been, um, some of it has provided a boost for uh, my confidence, for sure, I have to say that. Uh, but a lot more happens when I hear unusual things from my audience. Like today, there was a phone call and there was a very senior teacher of Bharatanatyam who was telling me that her daughter wouldn't watch Bharatanatyam, but she says that I, she has never missed a performance of uh, Nithigrams or mine. That kind of thing is is something. In what ways has your choice of being a dancer shaped you as a human being? Do you think about that? Yes, dance has made me extremely patient. There is belief um, that if you practice, everything gets better. And 
there is a lot of uh, generosity two kinds of generosity one is generosity with which i have received so much richness that has helped me feel my own inner freedom and expansiveness which is a great gift at the same time i feel like dance has to be shared with a lot of opening of heart because it is an art of body mind and spirit there is a lot of kindness that needs to come and an there has to be a lot of empathy when one is teaching young ones who have to almost kind of tear their skin apart because you know uh, martha graham said body doesn't lie so we can we are like the teachers are like mirrors they can they can see everything everything reflects what's next for you helping others realize their dreams and just uh, being a support in every which way i can also uh, the the visuals the imaginations of uh, how i see certain ideas can be presented and um, danced um through uh movement my body my students bodies i feel like i want to bring to bring that make that possible also i have been a scholar i have done a lot of research i have created a training pedagogy that is practiced at nitagram and i follow that i teach my students my some of my students also teach that i want to expand on that i want to document it uh, i believe that uh, we art is much greater than artists and what i i have received is is uh, i have been blessed gifted to receive it at the same time what i have found and what i have spent time investigating i feel like i should give it back to the huge river that flows which is the dance form the tradition i should just make it available and let it be there so that it can be resource material for someone in the future who looks back and wants to know 60 years from the revival of what this dance what happened and this will be just one of these handbooks that will be there Bijani Satpati thank you very much for taking this time with me thank you it was fun talking about it after speaking with Bijani I can't help thinking about the destination in our lives. Are we so attuned to arriving somewhere in this life that we give up on self-realization? What does it take to be a lifelong seeker? The kind of perfection Bijani seeks may strike the onlooker as overreaching. But I understand it as who she is as an artist and in this case at least her story seems consistent with who she has been all along this episode of where dreams come from was edited by scott album for media for change i am sanjeev chatterjee